Baby, you can scoop, scoop, come a little closer. Cause your vibes maybe wanna pull you in and tell you where to post up. Correct me if I'm wrong. I swear that your energy is telling me I won't judge. So say the word and I'm there, baby. Hey guys, welcome back to Block Channel. We're back for episode 87. It's been a little bit since you've heard from us. We had a very, I guess, focused uh, season last season where we, we spoke mostly about the decentralized web, handshake, uh, decentralized identity. Uh, but, you know, the crypto conversation is constantly always evolving. Uh, and we've, we've had a season maybe a couple years back during the first initial DeFi summer. Where we talked about all the emerging decentralized financial applications were coming out. That's when we had the, uh, the rise of AMM. Um, and stuff like like Uniswap, and then of course we had all these different derivatives and options contracts, and all this sort of like new primitive set emerge. Uh, and then of course that's now reached its you know point of like a point of, a point of milestone maturity, especially after the NFT boom. So for this season, we're going to revisit back into the, the DeFi conversation, uh, see what's new and flowing there. Uh, and you know, uh, just a just a disclaimer. I'm a I'm an advisor, and our fund, Momentum Capital, are an investor uh, in Connects Network. Uh, and the Connects Network is a you know decentralized like liquidity routing platform that's like multi-chain you know com compatible. And you know we've had on Arjun uh, in, in the past to talk about Connects, so we'll probably have him in an upcoming episode. But I decided to just sort of talk to the developers who were working at the intersection of like this sort of multi-chain primitive tech that were trying to get kind of like into the middle of this like new emerging uh, primitive set uh, that we think will be very important as like layer two proliferates and you know becomes more widespread uh, and so you know we, we brought on today two gentlemen from a company called fuji finance um, who's emerging in the general connects ecosystem uh, and i got a gentleman by the name of mark and Digaro. And we're gonna get into their intros now here. Uh, we're not, no co-hosts today. This is just like completely solo. Um, Dee and Teddy, busy people with their own podcasts and like lives and stuff. So we're gonna be taking this one uh, solo. So you're just gonna get all macky on this one. So it's gonna be a fun time. Um, but that being said, uh, let's go ahead and get this uh, show rolling with Mark. Uh, Mark, can you give us a you know, brief introduction as to like who you are, what you're about, uh, and then we'll get into talking to your partner. For sure, yeah. First off, thank you for having us uh, on the uh, on the channel and to talk more about what we're working on. Very excited about what Connext is building, and uh, very pumped to be one of the uh, one of the teams building on top of them. So, uh, hello everyone. My name is Mark uh, Mark Anstead. Uh, I've been in the crypto space for for quite some time now. Uh, started investing back in like 2014 uh, when I was in high school, and um, started working full-time in the space in 2017, uh, founded multiple companies, uh, helped to build one of the first MVPs uh, back on Plasma when that was actually like a thing. Uh, if anybody remembers a project called Omise Go, uh, built one of the first MVPs there, which was kind of cool. Um, and then helped to build the first uh, ZK Rollup mobile wallet back in 2020. Uh, so talking a little bit about L2s, I'm, I'm definitely a little bit of an L2 bull myself. Um, and uh, so I was building on ZK Sync back in like early, mid 2020, before most people actually knew what it was, uh, which was a really cool experience. Uh, then actually joined the Fuji team 
uh, about five, six months ago, helping out on the uh, the business side of things. And um, outside of that, I'm just like, a, I'm a very active contributor in the space. Um, love to, uh, to mingle around with new technologies, especially like in the DeFi world. Um, and uh, yeah, I'll share it uh, or I'll, I'll let uh, Daigaro sort of jump in and talk a little bit more about himself and uh, sort of how Fuji was created. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just Daigaro, just give us an introduction on your, yourself first and then we'll get into Fuji after that. Sure. So, uh, hi, everybody. I'm Daigaro. I'm originally from Mexico. Uh, my professional career is in a very different industry. I was an aerospace engineer for nine years, uh, you know, working in, in different uh, companies there. Now, the, the thing that brought me to crypto was actually a problem I had with one of the banks. Uh, you know, as someone that kind of works in the U.S. and has family in Mexico, you have to deal with cross uh, cross banking sometimes. So I won't name the bank because I actually got really upset with them. <laughs> but uh, I I knew of crypto back in 2017. You know, back then it was like a speculation, and uh, and I knew in 2020. You know, in the pandemic is when I needed to do some money transfers. And this bank was just not gonna let me do it. I had to physically go to a to a location in Mexico City to figure out my problem. So obviously during the pandemic, this was not gonna happen. I was living in Boston, and yeah, I mean, I realized I basically that's what drew me back to crypto and kind of discovered DeFi. And I think ever since then, I went down the rabbit hole, and here I am. You know, build, being <laughs> I became a builder. Uh, so that's amazing. So, so you two, so but, but before we go into like Fuji, how did you guys connect with each other though? How'd you guys meet? Yeah, sure. sure. So, uh, you know, kind of following the line story, uh, I, 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 I knew programming already. So Solidity was just another language. Uh, and at some point I said, well, I'm ready to build something. So we, uh, we decided to join a hackathon. And when I say we, it's uh, because in the hackathon, I met Bujan, who's the other co-founder who uh, couldn't join us uh, today. But uh, th th that's where we met each other at a hackathon, basically trying to build something cool, whatever happens. And, you know, whatever happens, basically, it was Fuji and is two years in the building now. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so, so that being said, let's... Um... Uh, we'll get into some kind of back and forth as to like why Fuji existed, but give us the not quite the elevator pitch because that's too short. So, but so be as eloquent as you want and just sort of like walk us through combination of both of you guys if you kind of want to piecemeal it out. What's Fuji trying to like accomplish? And, and of course, like how does that how does that uh, fit into the Connects ecosystem? If you can comment on that. Mm -hmm. So, or. Yeah, I'll, I'll jump in there. Um, so yeah, it, as Daigaro sort of alluded to, uh, the project was created in a hackathon about two years ago. Uh, so it's created by builders and um, love they love to hack. Um, and uh, so we built the first borrowing aggregator uh, on Ethereum. And I ended up deploying that onto a few different networks. It was on Ethereum, Polygon, Arbitrum, and Phantom. And then this past year, um, as you can probably guess, uh, the team participated in another hackathon. 
uh, this time being uh, ETH Amsterdam, where they built the first uh, cross-chain uh, debt teleporter. This was actually built on top of Connext, uh, is where, it's where the Fuji team actually first met the Connext team. And uh, this allowed you to take a debt position uh, from Aave on chain A and teleport it to Aave on chain B. And this is all being able, or this is all possible in one click. And uh, that essentially inspired what we're now building with our V2. We've been essentially working on this for about uh, 11 months now and uh, going to be launching it very shortly, uh, where we're building the first cross chain money market aggregator. Uh, this essentially allows you to deposit, borrow, repay, or even withdraw a position from any chain. And when you are creating a position in Fuji, we help you to optimize both your deposit rates and your borrow rates. And so some of the, like, the main problems that we are helping to solve there is uh, this liquidity fragmentation issue that we're seeing. Like I, I, I mentioned it earlier, like I'm a very big L2 bull, but that's one of the biggest problems that we're seeing with like Alt L1s or even L2s is around liquidity fragmentation. And the way that we've architected um, Fuji is to essentially have unified liquidity and allowing you to have this, uh, this single access point uh, to access all the liquidity within money markets. Mm -hmm. and this is where uh, essentially Connext kind of comes into the mix uh, to help solve a lot of those uh, those pain points. Uh, because obviously we've been doing these optimizations on isolated chains, whether it's like Ethereum, Polygon, Arbitrum, whatever it may be. But if your funds are on like one chain or on chain A and you have to interact with a contract on chain B, uh, this is where uh, Connext comes into play because we need to be able to um, essentially move that liquidity, call a contract on another chain, and uh, Connext essentially allows us to do that in a very seamless fashion, all in one click. Hmm. Is there anything you want to add into that, Bigar? Yeah, if I if I can make the, you know, I only have five seconds to explain you Fuji in an yeah. elevator. <laughs> yeah. I would say that we're building for the future the, the mortgage broker. So, mm -hmm. You know how you 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 want to get a loan for a house, and you don't you don't really care for where it's coming. Like yeah. uh, you just you just get your loan and you, you get your house and that's it. So Fuji yeah. is gonna become that financial tool that right. gives gives you access to any money market on any chain if you want to take a loan and you will optimize uh, by using Fuji. So what would you say from a developer standpoint? What can we? Back from, I mean, years back, of course, we were all building on uh, Ethereum layer ones, alternative, you know, EVM like layer ones, because, you know, and of course, naturally, all that liquidity and all that developer interest became fragmented. So now we're trying to come back together. Can you guys talk a little bit about how the developer experience or rather how or, or overall for like DeFi as we as we move and mature into like the layer two world? Like what's what's going to change? How's how's that user experience going to be like improved? If you could talk about that, what's how, what's your perspective on it? Yeah, I mean, if we think about things like the internet right now, like we're not thinking about you're using TCP, HTTP, like uh, kind of giving the details of like how communication happens uh, across the internet right now. And here we are at the stage where we're talking about which layer, uh, which uh, bridge, uh, which application. And I think uh, this is going to be abstracted from the user. They're just going to see uh, an application a kind of higher level application that is able to, you know, 
I just want to borrow. I just want to lend. Uh, I just want to trade. And that's it, right? There's no, uh, the underground or under the under layers are going to become less and less, uh, you know, uh, relevant to the final user. Oh, cool. And what, what would you, what would you say has been, uh, maybe some struggle as, you know, as, as these, as folks and developers on ramp into the different kind of development styles that are present in, in the layer two world as we sort of like trying to bring everybody together what what has been some challenges that you guys have like faced like through this process is like as people come to become familiar with like these like layer two networks like connects like because i feel like there's a there's definitely like a learning curve because when everything's like 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 l1 it was like it was like super simple right just evm stuff solidity you know it works works across the board now we got to get a little bit more like kind of like granular with our development life cycle so so can you talk about how like has it been like a, a negative process in trying to like sort of prepare for this next onslaught of different types of user experiences? Um, I wouldn't say negative. It's mm -hmm. uh, challenging. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, challenging that, uh, I mean, you have to consider, you know, these different uh, blockchains, uh, these uh, different protocols. Sometimes protocols kind of have different interfaces. So it's just a matter of like, being on top of whatever is new and and as a developer obviously you have to be learning new things um but uh but yeah i mean uh, i wouldn't say negative negative probably is not the, the right word <laughs> yeah i will i will say uh one of the things that like that i've seen from a lot of teams that i talk to um because like I have a lot of teams that have like reached out to me, especially over the last like two or three years, like Mark, like what layer two should we deploy on? Like, what do we do here? Like what's going on? Um, and, and frankly, it's because it's very challenging from like the project's perspective, because they want to not have this issue of liquidity being on all of these different chains. Cause a lot of net or a lot of product or projects are just like, all right, we're just going to do like the shotgun um, style and just say, all right, we're going to deploy on anything and everything that's EVM. And then there's some teams that are like, we just want to be like siloed to like one or two and try and place our bets there. And we're, we're starting to see that a lot of like the different environments are very similar uh, for the most part. Um, like when we're looking at like some of the optimistic rollups and now we're starting to see a lot of the new uh, like ZK rollups and ZK EVMs, um, from like the end user's perspective, the experience isn't that much different, at least for right now. Um, from like the developer perspective, there can be like some differences from like account abstraction and things like that from like, like a ZK rollup standpoint. But uh, for the most part, from like the user perspective, it's not too different. Um, and like, the, I would say that's probably been one of the biggest challenges for um people going from like the single chain to multi-chain mindset where they're like okay we have to go and deploy onto other chains other than ethereum but like their first question is where do we want to place our bets and how do we sort of go through that that thought process um and i, I would say over the last like year or so it's very difficult to essentially determine which layer to like if we wanted to choose like one or two layer twos that are going to be like the de facto choice 
Um, like that's a that's a very difficult thing to to manage. And that's a, that's a, I'm going to interrupt you for a second. That's an interesting point, actually, that you make here in that as we come up with better and better tech and primitives to allow for a multi-chain world to proliferate, we still need to deal with the with the tribalism of what's the most adept ones to focus on. Right, because we want to, we, especially for bootstrapping a new network. Right, we don't want to, we don't want to, we don't want to, you know, bring on a. We have all these different like EVM compatible chains and, and, and networks, but not all of them all get along with each other, right? Uh, at least on a social level, right? Too. So it's like, but so almost with more flexibility for integrations, you still open yourself up to new types of social attack vectors, and social attack vectors that could be the the, the key determinant as to whether or not you find success and successfully bootstrap liquidity for your network. Or you fall flat. And I think it's something that we you never really had to worry about before because and when everyone was just building on Ethereum layer one, you know, you got the whole party like coming behind you. Um, but now even then, like even if we bring the liquidity together, we are still socially fragmented, right? From a tribalistic standpoint. And there is no technology that will necessarily fix that. Yeah, no, tribalism is a is a very real beast. And I I, I think we're going to see what we saw with like alt l1s kind of fighting with ethereum and ethereum maxis and things like that fighting with other people probably going to be seeing a very similar mindset with a lot of the layer twos and i mean i hope that doesn't happen like i want i want to see all of them kind of succeed um but we're, we're probably going to start seeing a little bit of tribalism there and like from our perspective we don't real frankly care who wins out we're, we're taking a very agnostic approach um from like just any chain whether it's an l1 or an l2 um and so we, we don't frankly care who wins we just essentially want to support them all and from like the user perspective giving them access to those money markets and those networks and can you, can you correct me can you correct my understanding here for a moment because i'm not completely caught up to where uh connects is with their integrations but are they currently working with trying to work cross collaboratively with like the cosmos network is that sure so not yet um i know that's like they're looking at some non-evms uh, but i know right now like their main focus is just on evms uh, like with our with our v2 launch we're going to be supporting all the networks that connects uh currently supports um with their v2 or i guess with their emiroc upgrade i should say i don't know if it's specifically their v2 yeah. uh, which is um ethereum polygon arbitrum optimism gnosis chain and bnb chain those are like the main networks yeah, 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 everything that matters right now yeah. yes exactly um and then uh we know that there are some that are on their their roadmap uh over the next uh over the next few months and gonna be looking to support those as well and the money markets that are deployed there and uh, looking to uh, essentially grow alongside them. And uh, yeah, so we're, we're very excited about it. Are you guys like paying close attention to like the kind of the existing like stable coin market? Because there, you know, there is all this like speculation around like, you know, stable assets and things of that nature. Like do, do you think that these multi-chain asset primitives and kind of like software development kits in a way provide people a means by which to abstract away from those future potential issues? Yeah, I mean, I think stable coins are starting to adapt for the multi-chain world. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, just to give an example, we know Maker, like, you know, behind I, they're, they have plans or they have their engineering team looking at solutions on how to make DAI more easily cross-chainable, if, if that is the term. 
Uh, also, USDC uh, has been kind of testing a solution that allows for USDC to kind of flow more easily across different chains. I mean, and and there's different uh, flavors of this, but we're, what we're seeing essentially is that stable coins want to be able to be in whichever chain uh, is, you know, is needed. So I guess the last kind of question to focus on for Fuji um, is here. Uh, it's like, what sort of what sort of challenges have, have you guys like faced as you know you've watched this the DeFi industry grow and mature, right? Mark you, and Degaro, you both have like experience in here. Like, um, like, do you do you think that we are in a do you think that we're in a in a in a good position for you know another like big period of like growth and like adoption for like the general like DeFi community or like kind of, what's 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 What's, if you could be negative and pessimistic for a little bit, and then we pad that with some optimism, what would you say is not going well in the general industry? I, I can do the negative. So yeah. <laughs> the in the negative side, I think we're starting to see heavy regulation. Like in particular, the U.S. has have been uh, very heavy-handed with like DeFi projects. So it's kind of uh, you know, a lot of developers are actually from the U.S. And, like, this is a little bit scary for them. Like, I mean, th this is negative. And if kind of this, imagine that it's it, DeFi is being a target and is being chased. Uh, so I think that's, that can be something that is being negative. You know, other, uh, other, other places kind of have taken a similar approach. So from a regulatory point of view, DeFi has been uh, hit uh, hard. Yeah. And I think I'll sort of add to that in terms of like some of the some of the downs or not downsides, but like negative things that we've seen probably over the last like 12 to 18 months uh, from a lot of the discussions that I've had, like specifically with different types of money markets that, that we're uh, working with and we have close relationships with is they're not really seeing any new liquidity popping up. Like a lot of these money markets that are starting to like go and deploy on new networks. Uh, but the overall amount of liquidity is not really changing. It's changing from like one network to another, but we're not seeing like new liquidity coming into the market, new users, new liquidity mm -hmm. in the market. I, I actually have a, I actually have a little bit of speculation on that. I think you guys would agree. So like when, you know, initially we had the Ethereum launch, you know, everyone, we had all these early adopters, everyone come on. And then we got a lot of folks that, you know, made a lot of quick money, you know, in Ethereum, the ICO sales, there's just the overall, like, you know, price premium, like Ethereum, like folks are just like, oh shit, I've got, I've got bags. So people spent money on, you know, very strange DeFi positions and instruments. You know, we fucking, we invested in the food for a little while. That was a whole thing. Um, you know, we like, you know, people spent money flipping NFTs and all this stuff. But there is a point by which there is like this sort of like debilitating return for people being able to functionally want to speculate with this discretionary income that sort of fell out of the air. So like Ethereum in a way has kind of been really case dependent on the fact that so many people made so much money so quickly that they were able to enter in all these different speculative positions, try out all these different tools, da, 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 da. But there is a point by which the Ethereum adoption has like reached a particular threshold and an equilibrium where there's so much new blood that sort of like drowns out the older, uh, early adopters that had all this discretionary income and flexibility with their money. And now there's people coming in with outside cash and fiat, infusing it in, and now they're looking for sensible positions to invest in long-term. But most of all that volatility came from people making speculative bets and essentially gambling on money that they could afford to lose. 
So do you think that one of the things that could slow down DeFi as a whole is that like people, uh, the early adopters move away, grow up and just stop gambling. And now the only thing, only, only people left to really put money in the ecosystem are regulated institutions and bodies. Because once you got folks that don't have a thousand ETH in their MetaMask wallet just floating around, you know, clicking around, dicking around in the afternoon to like get in on an airdrop or to, you know, like we you basically like Ethereum community at some point will have to grow up to retain that legitimacy. Like, do you guys agree with that in any way? Um, I would say, I, I think where we're going to see that growth isn't necessarily going to be on Ethereum. Um, mm. I think we're probably going to be seeing a lot of that on either Altel ones or L2s. Um, it's not, frankly, I don't think it will be on Ethereum. Um, I mean, we saw a lot of like, quote unquote, new participants. I don't know if we can consider them those with a lot of like the meme coin craze that's happened recently, but those are people that are just similar to what you mentioned. They're just speculating, kind of gambling, hoping for the best. Uh, but I think in terms of like the actual real world usage, uh, that we will start to see that on networks where it can scale and people aren't having to pay insane amounts of money to just go and use these types of services. And I mean, that's why these networks were essentially built in the first place was to offer that. And um, unfortunately, like obviously Ethereum just can't handle that load and um, new technologies needed to be developed to to offer that. Um, and I think that will that infrastructure will allow for some of those things to occur. Uh, I mean, like as an example, like I don't want to, I, I don't like to shill, but like we're starting to see some really cool things that are being developed for people to be able to like purchase goods um, with like real world assets through a non custodial. <laughs> you, you can you can you can shill a little bit. Don't don't be afraid to shill a little bit. That's how people learn. Okay, there's there's a disclaimer where you're always need to do your own research, but you can shill. Just don't tell people to invest. Okay, is. fair. Yeah. So like what one of one of my one of our colleagues uh, or one of my colleagues, like really good friend of mine, uh, yeah. building a product called Holy Held. Um, mm -hmm. And they I, I believe it's like one of the first non custodial uh, like debit cards in Europe. So you can go and literally like purchase anything at a store through your non custodial wallet using a yeah. debit card. Same. And like I think that concept is absolutely fantastic. Um, and you can even use like different types of DeFi assets, uh, yield bearing tokens and um, like those types of use cases would not be possible if you're doing that on mainnet, but it can be possible if you're using like Altel ones or L2s. Um, and there was, there was a conversation a while back where, you know, as we, as we, people did an initial deployment of like crypto based debit cards right that was the kind of thing for a while like you know, loaded up with some btc or it would kind of like charge you at the time of with the current exchange rate and i think with ecosystems emerging like connects right and then having this like really cross app compatibility like if i could have a, a debit card where i can spend the balance of whatever that value is with all my different unique DeFi related positions that would be really awesome if I can like, just like, you know, as needed, if I swipe my card, it will automatically like, you know, like take the assets or the value necessary, depending on what different types of positions I'm in. Um, like, I, I think that in a way, like crypto makes debit cards better. Uh, and then it adds like flexibility, like on the back end for like your financial management. And I actually think that the excitement around like Visa and all these other people coming on board is that like, we've like, we've not really tried to test the water really well with these different types of like hybrid applications with the existing real world. And I would really like to see more experimentation like around that. 
Um, just like just just managing all my DeFi positions in one place. But then also there's this appended like debit card and like Coinbase is getting close to that. But it's really, yeah, it's really hard for them to do that because they focus on like so much. I know that there was an old company called Shift Payments um, that I think Coinbase acquired at some point, which is how they ended up with the Coinbase debit card. But yeah, it's an interesting, it's an interesting model to to have people like again transacting in the real world. And this is what we've been trying to get people to do for so long. But it always goes through phases because people really only want to spend their money when they've made a bunch that they did not expect to have. So it's like these speculative bumps are what slowly entice people to actually use crypto for like actual real world utility. Before then, people just want to speculate because they, they want to make quick money and pull themselves out of scarcity. So like you're always constantly battling the, the social need for people to like accrue wealth. And so like, uh, cause I worked at a company called Purse IO, which is like one of the first like Bitcoin related marketplaces, you spend Bitcoin, held on an escrow, buy anything you want from Amazon. I worked there for a few years. And what I realized is like, if you, like people at the end of the day are just going to be like inherently greedy because at least for these layer one assets, people still mentally think of these as like long-term investments. So it's like, it's almost like these abstracted layers, tokens and like assets are the only real way that you're going to pull people's mentality a little bit more away from saving and more into spending just by nature of moving it up an additional layer. It becomes less of a, of a savings tool and more of a spending util, utilitist function as those layers mature. But that being said, um, what what can what food do you want to leave the audience with? Like what do you guys what do you guys have coming up? Any launch, anything in relation to connects and this stuff? Well what what do you want the audience to remember? Yeah, so uh, we have some, uh, I will say, like, I'm very biased, but we have some very exciting things coming up. Um, as I mentioned earlier, we are. Chill what? Chill I, I, <laughs> thank you. Um, so as I mentioned earlier, we, we have been building on top of Connects for about the last 11 months. Uh, we have been uh, working on our private beta over the last few months and getting ready for our public launch. Uh, so we're actually going to be doing a guarded launch coming up um here in june where we're going to be giving access to a few different communities they'll be given early access to the application uh so keep an eye out on our socials so you may be one of those communities if you uh if you hold some nfts uh we've got some some special communities that are going to be able to get access to it uh and then looking to uh do a public launch um a uh, from a, a few weeks from now so uh keep an eye out for that uh we've got about six networks that are going to be supported um with that public launch i think there's going to be over like 25 different money markets that are going to be supported um and uh, you'll be able to start uh depositing taking out debt positions um and using using fuji at its at its fullest so we're we're very excited about that and to, to get this thing out into the real world um so uh, if you guys aren't already uh please make sure uh follow us on on our socials we're, we're pretty active on uh, on twitter uh we're also active on discord so feel free come and join the community um and stay what's your, what's your twitter handle what's your twitter handle go ahead and drop uh, that in there it is fuji finance at fuji finance mm -hmm. um and uh feel free to join our discord as well and join our community uh we've got uh some cool things and initiatives that are always going on there uh, we have a, a Fuji Educate series that we do, and you can receive a Fuji NFT uh, when you join those. Uh, we invite various teams uh, from the ecosystem to come and talk to uh, 
to our community about who they are, what they're building. And uh, yeah, hope to uh, hope to see you there. Uh, but most importantly, Stephen, thank you so much for uh, for having us to come and join you. And uh, hopefully the uh, the listeners were able to uh, to learn something new about Fuji, Connext, and uh, what's being built in, I guess, like the Layer 2 world and, and then DeFi world as well. Yeah, man. Thanks so much, fellas. Thanks for bringing some, some good energy along. I'm excited that Connects is, you know, finally connecting things <laughs> and things are things are things are getting and moving along where they need to go it's been one of my kind of like pride and joys i've been working with our zoom since like five or six years ago so he, since he was in his early 20s same as me so it's just like to now to see this where i was always like man connects is gonna be awesome it's gonna be the piece of crypto just you wait and ironically kai sheffield another mixed race gentleman in the crypto space friend of mine is the head of crypto at visa and a couple of years back, I told him, I was like, hey, Kai, I like, like low key. I was like, Connects is coming for your lunch. You just don't see it yet. And he was like, all right, bet. And then Visa got really deep into like their crypto stuff. So like I've been pushing for Connection like in the background, like where, where it's been. So awesome to have you guys excited about this. Um, clearly, you guys are very adept at what you're doing, you know, like, like senior and kind of like how to think about the crypto space and like where things are moving to. So thanks for coming on. We'll have this episode out in like the next couple of days. And then we'll hopefully like we'll bring you guys back in the future once you guys are like big and bad in the connect space. Uh, and then we'll talk about how, how fun it was for you guys to win. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Thank you. All right. Thanks, fellas. You guys have a great day.